There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Cassandra Holloway. We're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic's main campus in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here today with Dr. Kara King. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Dr. King is the Director of Benign Gynecologic Surgery at Cleveland Clinic's Women's Health Institute, and today we're going to be talking about heavy periods, also known as menorrhagia, and abnormal uterine bleeding. Before we begin, we just want to remind our listeners that this is for informational purposes only and should not replace your own doctor's advice. So even with modern medicine, that time of the month can still be a big pain for most women, especially those who are prone to heavy bleeding during their periods. And periods in general, you know, there's a big spectrum of what's normal, what's not normal. If, let's start off with just explaining if, you know, if I was a patient meeting with you, how would you define having a heavy period versus a typical or normal period? Yeah, and you're exactly right. And that periods can be very variable amongst different patients. So in general, a period typically comes about once a month, but we define normal as between anywhere between 24 and 38 days. So there is some variance within that. The flow we say is usually between five and eight days. And so if your flow is longer than eight to 10 days, for sure, that would be considered abnormal. Now the flow can be more difficult to quantify as normal or abnormal because it's such a subjective um, description. Um, the way we define it though usually is if you are soaking a tampon or a pad within an hour. And so I usually say soaking a pad front to front, side to side within an hour for more than two hours straight. Or if you're passing large clots, and we define that usually as bigger than a golf ball. So if those things are happening, then that would be considered heavy bleeding and should be addressed. Bigger than a golf ball. That's it. I thought I read about a quarter size, but it's up to a golf ball size. They can class. get they can get quite large. Yeah, wow. like grapefruit size sometimes. Wow. So I know everyone's a little bit different. What are those clots? So a clot is really just old blood. And so when you have your period, blood can pool within the uterus, within the cervix, or within the upper vagina. And so when pool, when blood pools there, it can form a clot. And so some women will notice it when they go from seated to standing and past those clots. So you said anything longer after eight to 10 days, kind of ring that alarm in your head that this is not standard. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly right. Yeah. We define it between five and eight days, but you know, I have time to say if it's, a, it's, if it's impacting your quality of life, have it evaluated. So yeah. um, again, if it's impacting you in a negative way, even if it's less than eight days, I say come in and have it evaluated. Sure. How common are heavy periods? Do you kind of see that a lot, that condition a lot? Very, very common. So about one-third of all visits to the gynecologist are because of abnormal uterine bleeding. So when I see my patients, inevitably my patients usually apologize for, the, for having bleeding when they come and see me. And I tell them, like every single person in my waiting room is having abnormal bleeding probably right now. So um, it's very common. Um, and it's, and for, as, from a physician standpoint, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's, it's what we do as gynecologists on most days. And I like how you said, if, if the heavy period is affecting your quality of life, if you're stopping activities because of it, that should be another alarm in your head to get this checked out, to get this, you know. Yes, out. absolutely. And if you see your physician and, um, and you're having really painful periods or really heavy periods and they say, oh, don't worry, it's, it's fine, it's normal, it's just you having your period, that's what it's like to be a woman, 
I urge you to get a second opinion, that's okay. Um, be an advocate for yourself in regard to um, evaluating these things because painful, really heavy periods aren't normal and they should be looked into. Absolutely. I'm curious, if a woman is experiencing heavy bleeding, is does she have a, a regular cycle for the most part or is it kind of irregular? Is there any kind of standard to that? Yeah, so there is some variance. Um, and so we say anywhere between 24 and 38 days within, the, within that range is normal. And each month, it can be off a little bit, maybe between five and seven days, you know, vary from your variant. Um, so five to eight days variable from your last period. Um, so some irregularity can be normal, but you shouldn't be skipping months um, and you shouldn't be spotting regularly in between periods. So if you're skipping more than two, three months at a time and you're not on anything to make that happen, meaning if you're not on anything for hormonal suppression and you're skipping more than two to three months, that's not normal. And that should be evaluated because your lining can be getting really thick. And if you have uncontrolled thickening of your lining, it increases your risk of hyperplasia, or malignancy. Um, same on the other end, if you're having a lot of spotting in between periods, that can also be a sign of an abnormality. Sometimes it can be a structural abnormality inside your uterus or you know, variable other things, um, and that should be looked into. And another thing that should never be ignored is if you're having any bleeding after menopause. That's never normal. So any bleeding, heavy, light, spotting, brown, red, no matter what, if it's after menopause, that should be evaluated. Gotcha. So I want to talk a little bit about the causes of, you know, heavy periods. Um, what are some of those causes for that? So <clears throat> there's many, many causes um, for abnormal uterine bleeding. And we kind of break it down into growth issues or structural abnormalities. And so these, these things can include fibroids um, or polyps or different growths inside the uterus. It also can be secondary to something called adenomyosis, which is also a different type of growth issue, which is when the lining of the uterus can actually grow inside the muscle wall of the uterus. Um, certain medications can increase your risk of having abnormal bleeding. Birth control, so some forms of birth control when you first start them can give you abnormal uterine bleeding. Um, especially if you're on a birth control pill and you're missing pills here and there that can also instigate an episode of bleeding. Um, cancer, which is obviously the most worrisome cause, uh, can also be secondary, or I should say cancer, uh, bleeding can be a sign of cancer. And um, the main cancer that can be associated with this bleeding is endometrial cancer or uterine cancer, um, but cervical cancer can also be related to this. Um, and you know the, uh, the the final cause that I oftentimes think about is actually um, when people have a history of cesarean sections, and nowadays a lot of people have previous C-sections. You can actually get a little we call it a niche or a little defect in that endometrial lining by your C-section scar that actually can pool with blood and cause some irregular bleeding in between periods too. So that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll oftentimes ask about your surgical history when you come in. And you're more prone to heavy periods because of the C-section scar in some cases. Yeah, in some cases, especially mm -hmm. um, irregular spotting, which sometimes can be heavy. Gotcha. Um, I did want to ask about cancer. I know you said it's a scary topic. Is there like a percentage of people who, who experience heavy bleeding that do go on to get diagnosed with these cancers? Is that something you can answer? Yeah, so in regard to endometrial cancer, there's different risk factors that can increase your risk of having a, a uterine malignancy. And so um, depending on the risk factors that you have will increase your risk of having that bleeding be associated with something like a cancer. So in regard to endometrial cancer, things that would increase your risk of having um, um, cancer associated with your bleeding would be morbid obesity. So if you have a higher BMI, that is the number one risk factor for having endometrial cancer, um, as well as high blood pressure, 
and diabetes, so um, as well as age. So if you're over the age of 45 and have these other risk factors, especially, we'll want to evaluate your lining. Um, if you're under the age of 45 and are having abnormal uterine bleeding and have these risk factors, then we may want to evaluate your lining as well. Interesting. So you mentioned the growth issues earlier about you know, different growths or um, polyps, you know, causing the heavy uh, bleeding. Um, you mentioned fibroids. It says, is that the number one cause of heavy, heavy menstrual bleeding? Like, why is that? Yeah. Fibroids are extremely common. We're not exactly certain why some women get them, but we do know that about 80% of women will be diagnosed with fibroids by the time they hit the age of 50 which is like everybody, wow, yeah, right? right? I mean, eight out of 10 women, that is a tremendous amount of women. The good news is, is that they're um, very, very rarely associated with cancer. So only um, less than 1% of fibroids are associated with a type of malignancy. Um, and also only about 20% of women actually need surgical intervention for their fibroids. So they're extremely common. Um, oftentimes we can control the heavy bleeding with certain medications and I'd say overall, fairly rarely do they need surgical intervention. So maybe it's a scary term, but it's like what you're saying, it's very common, you know, it's very treatable. Absolutely, yeah. And fibroids can grow anywhere within the uterus. And if the fibroids are on the outside of the uterus, or if they're smaller in the wall of the uterus, they probably aren't causing symptoms. They don't need to be, they don't need to be um, um, managed surgically. And you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, you don't need to worry about it. If they're in the lining themselves, that can lead to the heavy bleeding and oftentimes need to be addressed. Gotcha. So what about heavy periods and fertility? Does that affect ovulation? How does that work? Yes, great question. So in regard to fertility and heavy bleeding, so if we look at it from an ovulation perspective, um, um, anovulatory bleeding, meaning if you're not ovulating regularly, that can lead to heavy bleeding. So if you're ha not having regular periods, what, what happens is that the lining can continue to build up, and then when you do have your period, it's, it's extra heavy. So again, if we're putting you on something to stop your periods, like a birth control pill or an IUD, and you're not having periods because of that, absolutely no problem. That's great. We're thin thinning your lining out and just making it so you don't have a period. But if you're not having regular cycles and you're not ovulating regularly, then we care that you're missing periods because the lining can keep getting thicker. So I want to talk about diagnosis and treatment now. So at what point would your advice be to someone who's maybe experiencing these heavy periods? Should they wait a couple cycles for it to kind of even out or should they make an appointment and come in right away? So as a general rule, I say if you have only one single heavy period and it's not associated, associated with anything scary like anemia symptoms, it's okay to wait that one cycle out. Now if you're having a really heavy bleed again, soaking a pad front to front, side to side, um, changing that more than once an hour, or having anemia symptoms like dizziness, vision changes, headache, racing heartbeat, or feeling like, feeling like you're gonna pass out, that should be evaluated right away. If those things aren't happening, I think it's okay to have one heavy period and then suss out how things go from there. But if you have repetitive heavy periods, I'd say come in and see us. And it can be really helpful to keep a log, meaning the, the, the day that your period starts, the day it ends, what your flow is like. If you're on some kind of hormonal contraception, you know, mentally know if you're missing any pills. Those things can be really helpful when you come to your doctor. You mentioned anemia, so I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Is that like the most common side effect of heavy bleeding because you're losing so much blood? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And so with heavy periods, you're exactly right. And that just sometimes you're bleeding so much that your hemoglobin actually drops. Um, and some people have such chronic, meaning they've had such heavy bleeding for so long, they're anemic and they don't even realize it. So some people are used to living at this really low hemoglobin, um, which can be dangerous. And people can feel fatigued and not even realize that that's the cause. Wow. Yeah. So... Walk us through if a woman were to come into, you know, your clinic and, and talk about heavy period bleeding, kind mm -hmm. of what tests would you run to kind of determine this? So after we have uh, a really good conversation about um, the exact specifics of the bleeding, then we usually turn to a physical exam because there can be a lot of different sources of the bleeding. So once we do a good physical exam and I feel what the uterus feels like, meaning are there um, any extra fibroids that I can feel, um, adenomyosis symptoms, um, things like that that I can feel on physical exam, then we move over to the diagnostic testing. And so in regard to lab work, the first thing I always want to make sure is rule out pregnancy, because if you're having bleeding and you're pregnant, that could be a surgical um, emergency or an issue. And so we always test for pregnancy, and then we also typically test for anemia, just like we stated. So we'll get a complete blood count to see what the hemoglobin level looks like. If I'm concerned about anovulatory bleeding or some kind of endocrine disorder, we may, we may also add on some thyroid um, testing, um, because sometimes if an endocrine abnormality is present, that can lead to some bleeding. Or if I'm worried about somebody with low platelets or some other bleeding disorder, um, we may test for that as well in the lab work. And then in regard to imaging, usually we start out with an ultrasound. And that ultrasound may just be a regular vaginal ultrasound to look at the uterus. Sometimes we do do something called a saline infusion sonogram, where we put water inside the uterus and then do an ultrasound then, which can give us a better idea of what's going on in the cavity. Figure out first what, what you need to treat, basically, and then treat that underlying cause. Exactly right. Yeah. So then what does treatment look like? Are there surgical interventions? Is it medicine? Can you talk a little bit about treatment? Yeah. So once we figure out the exact source, then we can really narrow in uh, a great treatment plan. So we try to save surgery for the very last intervention. So we typically try to start with medications first. Medications can include um, iron supplements if we're worried about anemia. We also have an, a really amazing blood management team here which can, who can help with IV iron transfusions um, and try to eliminate the need for an actual blood transfusion. So we'll oftentimes include them in our plan. Um, medications may also include hormonal measures, so things that um, can stop periods like the birth control pill, the patch, the NuvaRing, an IUD, things like that. And there's also good non-hormonal medications, something called tranexamic acid, which can um, help decrease the flow and the clots. And you only take that during the actual days of bleeding, so five days a month, which can be really nice for many patients. Yeah, absolutely. What about, um, you mentioned birth control to kind of control some of that bleeding. What if someone is having heavy periods, but they're trying to get pregnant? Do you have any advice Kind yeah. of treatment for that. Yeah, you nailed it. So if somebody's trying to get pregnant, birth control is not a good option for them. <laughs> that is that that's not very helpful. So um, if that's the case, then we really want to make sure that their uterine lining looks good. So if there's any kind of polyp there or fibroid there, fibroid there that may need to be addressed surgically. And so um, you're exactly right that if someone wants to get pregnant, then hormonal options would not would not be a good route. And so at that time, we'll do a really good um, investigation of what their myometrium looks like, what their endometrium looks like, and try to target any kind of anatomical pathology that may be there. Makes sense. And then if left untreated, do heavy periods cause any like long-term issues that people should be concerned about? The main thing we care about is this anemia and this chronic anemia. So once we rule that out, 
about um, and all the ramifications that anemia can lead to, meaning um, low blood volume can lead to cardiac issues and other issues along, along that line. The other main thing would be if you're skipping long months and then having those heavy periods, then we care about the risk of hyperplasia or malignancy. So those are the, the two main things that I think about with heavy bleeding. Gotcha. So the last thing I want to touch on here is just your general advice to a listener who maybe has been experiencing some heavy bleeding and searching online for these answers. Kind of what's your advice or recommendation that you would give her? You know, should she come in right away? Would you kind of console her that this is treatable, it is common? What would you tell her? Yeah. So I'd say um, this heavy abnormal bleeding can be very, very common. Um, I would recommend that she try to keep some kind of log of her bleeding profile, meaning days that she's bleeding, the heaviness, and any other medications that she's taking, and that may help guide her when she comes into the office. Um, I'd also, again, state that if you're having any bleeding after menopause, that is absolutely not normal, and that requires immediate um, attention. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is that if um, surgical intervention is the best step for the patient and the, and the surgeon or your physician recommends surgery, um, always investigate minimally invasive surgical options. So even very large pathology, meaning very, very large fibroids, can typically be done with a laparoscopic approach. And so if your physician is recommending an open or an abdominal procedure, I would urge that patient to seek out a second opinion with a minimally invasive GYN surgeon. I'd also say that if you do have very large fibroids and um, the physician is recommending recommending a full hysterectomy, also seek a second opinion, because very commonly we can do um, uterine um, preservation procedures to save the uterus, take out just the pathology, and again, most commonly through a laparoscopic approach. That's great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Of course. So thanks for joining us to our listeners. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with Cleveland Clinic's OBGYN and Women's Health Institute, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash women's health or call 216 444-6601. If you want to listen to more Health Essentials podcasts featuring Cleveland Clinic experts, subscribe wherever you get your podcast or visit clevelandclinic.org slash podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, all one word, to stay up to date on the latest health tips, news, and information. Thanks for listening. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.